0: Plushcare dot com slash weight loss The Andy J Podcast The Andy J Podcast The Andy J Podcast Hi there, welcome to the very latest Andy J podcast. I really appreciate you downloading. I've got a very special conversation for you this week, and I also have to tell you about next week's as well because sometimes you just land a double whammy, and I was fortunate to record with two fascinating fascinating guests on the same day. The first one is the one you're going to hear today. The next one ...is the one you hear next week. And I can I can tell you, I was just bouncing off the walls with delight at these chats... ...because they are just really great guys and really, really good conversations. So the chat today is with one of my favourite actors. He is a character actor par excellence. He is, of course, the brilliant Timothy Spall. Now, he has been in so many incredible movies, it would be unfair of me to just pick a few. However, I'm going to pick a few... There is, of course, it was Wormtail in the Harry Potter series. And I imagine if you're new to this show, you might be listening because you're a big Harry Potter fan and you want to hear all about it. I can tell you he's not going to disappoint. There are some cracking... Harry Potter on the set, Anecdotes on the Way. Then, of course, he was in The Last Samurai and Vanilla Sky with a certain Hollywood legend, Mr. Tom Cruise. And again, he's got some great stories to share about that. Then, of course, he won the uh, 2014, I think it was the Cannes Film Festival, Great Best Actor for Mr. Turner, the Mike Lee film, uh, for which he was the title character. And many, 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 many more. I think he's done seven Mike Lee films. He's, He's also really good company. A few other little Timothy Spall facts. He loves boats. He's got a big family. He's not a massive fan about talking about this because it's something that happened a while ago. But he's also had extreme weight loss. He used to be sort of quite a cuddly actor. And then he lost a lot of weight. And a lot of the press made a big deal of it. This is perhaps aligned to the fact that when he was 39, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And had a real battle on his hands. And I think perhaps lazy journalists connected the two, even though they were decades apart. Nonetheless, doesn't change the fact that he is a brilliant guest. So he's on the way. And I just need to tell you, next week, I have the most awesome conversation on the way with one Jason Fox. Foxy from SAS Who Dares Wins. He'll be talking about his new show. And in particular, we'll be talking about his relationship with the brilliant Rob delaney so i can't wait for you to hear that either okay enough from me thank you i hope you're following the show i hope you're a regular listener please tell your friends and keep coming back for more we really appreciate it here is timothy spall the andy J. podcast from Quadrophenia to Alveda Zane Pet to King's Speech, Harry Potter and his award-winning turn in Mike Lee's Mr. Turner. Oh, and he's also got an OBE. My guest today is an actor of extreme distinction. I'm delighted to welcome Timothy Spall. How are you doing, Timothy?
1: Um, I'm all right, Andy. Thank you. How's yourself?
0: Well, you know, floating along, I say that because we've had a, a micro-chat and I happen to know that you're on your boat right now.
1: Oh, I am, yeah. I've escaped. have managed to... Uh liberate our old tub the princess matilda out of its um glorious uh old home in ramsgate which has been a lovely place for us to be and then got it out and took it up brought it round um the english channel and up the thames and that's what we're poodling about on doing at the moment
0: what a wonderful life i mean that just sounds glorious
1: well it, it, it well i suppose that is a word for it yeah i mean when it's not <laughs> Pain up the what's it? Sometimes, you know, boat thing about boats is they are glorious when they're glorious, and when they're not, they're a massive, they're a massive heartache.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, what's it like for you? I mean, are you? How long have you been on the boat? Because you're you're basically living on it for the for the time being.
1: No, no. Well, no. I mean, when because it is a you know it is a it's a it's a boat we've had for a long time. Um, it's quite well known for being the boat that we made the documentary series about, called the or just the Princess Matilda. You know, somewhere at sea and various things, and we just did that by accident, uh, but because uh, we were doing it anyway, we we've had this for 17 years. We had it um, commissioned, uh, and it's named after our eldest granddaughter, um, who is 17, and it was conceived the same time she was, uh, evidently. <laughs> Um, and it, when you've got a boat at 17 years old and a granddaughter and an oldest, the oldest granddaughter, the one of 17, 70, it means you're getting on,
0: mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> you're only 64, though, Timothy. I mean, to be fair, to have a 17-year-old granddaughter at 64, that's quite young. I mean, you were quite young grandparents. That's not a lyric in the Beatles song, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Well, listen, I have a follow-up question for you, Timothy. If, if your boat is named after your first grandchild, how yeah. do you follow that? Because she's not your only grandchild, is she? No, I've got seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so does that mean you've got six more boats?
1: No, no, I don't intend to have six more. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, they, 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 I'm afraid they haven't been attached to any, anything like that yet. We'll, we'll have to dream something up. Um, you no, know, they're, they're just sitting with their own names without being anointed with uh, you know, they haven't had the, the, the uh, metaphorical uh, champagne uh, smashed with their name on it against anything. But we'll work on it. You're going to have to get
0: thinking. As a great man once said to me, "If you plan to have kids, never buy a Rolex." And I said, "Well, why?" And he said, "Well, because if you have more than one, you'll need more than one Rolex."
1: That's a good point. Yeah, that is goods and chattels and all that, and leaving things. And you know, when you get older, and you, it's like, um, you know, we've been married forty years this this uh, next month. And uh, you know, um, so when you when I buy a present for my wife, particularly if it's jewellery or something like that, I'm thinking, oh, who's going to get that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Who's got, who's got their eyes on that? <laughs>
0: who's, who will it suit most? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing for the 40th? This is a this is a landmark. I mean, that's it a is. huge anniversary.
1: Oh, it's a ruby wedding anniversary, isn't it? I know yeah. it's what the ancient people used to have. It's like something from, from the past, thinking, oh my God, they made it. How can you live that long to be married, <laughs> to that? I mean, married for 40 years? But um, I don't know yet. I mean, we, you know, we, we're um we've sort of done enough we, we're, we've done enough events so then we might be quiet I don't know we tend to sort of do it we'll see what happens we haven't got anything remarkable we might just come back on this and poodle about a bit on the water I've, I don't know we're working on it um so it's um as I say there's no grand designs you, uh, you'll be able to help
0: me with this Timothy my cockney rhyming slang is atrocious but isn't a ruby a curry
1: it is a ruby murray and uh yeah. Yeah, Ruby Murray. Um, I don't think she's got anything to do with curry. Um, was a singer. A very, I don't know if you look her up on your um, on your, uh, your. You know, you work for radio. I'm sure you can press a button. and Her name would come up. <laughs> I can. She's like a, a, quite a famous uh, singer. And. Um, and now she's been attached to, uh, you know, she's now become, yeah, as you say, Connie is name for a curry. Um, at least her name lives on. But I don't know whether that leads to people listening to her music. They certainly don't play her music often in many tandoorians.
0: That's very true. Oh. But I'm just wondering if that could be a fusion for your Ruby wedding anniversary. You could just fill it with curry. That's,
1: what, a, what a good idea. And I'm, I might have to be a Ruby's bobbling about in it. Um you <laughs> There you go. <laughs> I'm going to see if I, next Indian restaurant I go into, I'm going to suggest they do a Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan, Ruby Murray mix, and see how that comes
0: <laughs> out. I love it. I love it. Let me know how you get on, will you? That sounds uh, that sounds an
1: adventure. Very very badly. <laughs>
0: Timothy, how aware are you? Because obviously you've you've mentioned the 40th wedding anniversary is looming. You've mentioned you've got a 17 year old granddaughter, and then and then six other grandchildren. You're only 64, as I've mentioned how How aware are you of age? Do you feel like a man who should have seven grandchildren and a fortieth wedding anniversary
1: um, no, I don't really feel that much different actually well when to when I was about let me think nine <laughs> 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 I mean, I, <laughs> um I might be rising up to sort of a quite a precocious eleven-year-old emotionally and intellectually. Intellectually, I don't know. I mean, I, I do It's age is a funny thing, isn't it? You know, you you gather you gather wisdom, you gather um, experience, and you you know you, you you you've got a whole lagoon of experience and things to draw upon. But fundamentally, you don't really feel that different in yourself. Obviously, you've got to be a bit careful about jumping about you know and leaping Uh, you you realize actually that your 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 um how you feel as your spirit and your physicality are two different things Mm. so one you know you have to bear in mind that um you know you you you've um you've got to be careful sometimes but i am you know i'm i'm all right i don't i don't do any particularly exercise i've you know i don't do anything um Uh, As a a form or or a structure as exercise, this is quite you know active get about a bit walk a lot and you know I don't you know do I do stuff Um, so uh, so you know I don't I I never I've never felt really like fit anyway so actually I've actually in all my life um, now in the last ten years or seven years I felt really good you know because I you know I lost a lot of weight and uh, seven years ago and I changed my lifestyle started having a Living a healthier lifestyle, so I actually, you know, I feel pretty good, and I've done for the last seven years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was this is something that's that's been well documented, Timothy. So I don't want to kind of tread it's the same path as it. yes. Well, well, no, you lost you lost weight. Well done, people lose weight, yeah, but yeah. It,
1: you hard. know. Yeah, not this morning
0: you know but <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well it's not it's not a new story for you and, it, and it's not exactly a new story for human beings people lose weight all the time the only thing i'm interested in it because you i believe you cut out booze and sugar which is which is fair enough i mean whatever works for you but sugar, like,
1: I mean, yeah i don't eat sugar i mean just you know i just eat really well and um yeah um yeah i just you know i just I don't do anything, I don't follow any plans. I just go, oh, that's better for you, that's good, that's light. And all these things that, you know, are good for you, if they're well cooked, um, they're they're really good.
0: Yeah, they work, they work. Am I right (laughs) in saying the the catalyst for this, Timothy, and again, I I don't want to dwell on weight loss, because as I Mm. say, it's been been well documented, you're probably bored, senseless, of talking about it. But the the trigger for it was, is this right, was exhaustion?
1: Yeah, I think it was exhaustion and uh, a long period of uh, of work. And I did, I was, it was all around just after Mr. Turner, which was a big, big deal, you know. it was yeah. a, I worked on that on and off um, for about, you know, three years, really. I mean, the film itself took a year, as they always do, really, with Mike, Mike Lee. They usually take about six, seven months to make and then use a lot of preparation. Um, and before that, I... I learned to paint, and now I've ended up becoming a painter now because I just recently had an exhibition, which uh, in a West End gallery. So that was a weird thing, you know. So it was a, a big moment in my life. That hard work, a um, lot of research, and a massively stressful uh, shooting schedule. Uh, and I thought, my God, I don't feel right. You know, I've got to do something. So I, I, I just stopped. I just, um, you know, I, I decided. I thought I, I wanted to lose some weight for a for the next part anyway so I stopped drinking uh, and then I, I quite liked that I thought oh this is alright and then I stopped eating all the wrong things and then I was um, on, then I st- it's just stuck it was like a natural thing it wasn't that rigorous do you know what I mean and mm. uh, um profound it just happened and it worked and I stuck to it and of course you've got to stick to it you know that's one of them things that's, that's the age old thing is losing and getting on with it you've got to keep to it because um, it you know the great thing about you know foods and uh food is the reason we eat and drink a lot of it is because it's really nice
0: yeah because it tastes <laughs> tastes great yeah
1: that's the thing you know that is one of the things um you know that kind of in, indulgence is a wonderful thing uh, until it bites you um and then so that that's that, that's it in a nutshell really and I, I i i've stuck with it and um uh and i intend to keep it up you know
0: I mean, you wear it well without sounding uh, like I'm flirting with you, Timothy. You know, in the latest... the oh,
1: latest, darling, darling. No, I mean, it was. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, there was... Um, what was really good is that there was a sort of segue into changing shape. There was no big, um, you know, um, uh, there was no big uh, um, readjustment required as far as my career. I didn't have to go around, you know, all of a sudden, I... I I was playing different parts probably different parts that I wouldn't have got before, I don't know. You know, so um and I might have lost some other I don't know, but it's it sort of um it seemed to be um seamless, which which I'm really grateful for, you know. Um, uh, you know, this like this part I'm playing at the moment in the Grand Duke of Corsica is probably a, a part that might not have come my way if I've been a certain shape, I don't know, you know, and um, other other parts that I've I've played you know the part the part in Spencer I um, I'm in you know the you know you, you don't know it's hard to say and I, I I gave a thought to it but um mercifully I didn't have to give too much because they they kept putting up with me they just they kept you know they as I say in my career I've been indulged and uh, I've been indulged in a long on a long-term basis you know by uh, tolerated even uh, a <laughs> career over a long-term basis. On a long-term basis, and and it and it seems to continue.
0: Well, I rather thought you'd be humble, Timothy. But let's let's be fair. You say you're indulged. I would suggest it's more talent without, and you've got talent in abundance. And I'm assuming this is something you've been acutely aware of from day one, really, because you started acting very young, didn't you?
1: Well, I was. I went to RADA in 1976, uh, and then I came out in 78, and I've been acting since. I, yeah, since I was went there at 19 and I started at 21. So, yeah, people start earlier. Um, so, yeah, I've been at it. What's that? That makes 70 yeah, now. That's 40. Blimey, that that's 40. Like, that's 43, four years, isn't it? Good that's God. Yeah. so um, a yeah, long time, isn't it? But, um, yeah. Um, well, I can't remember what your original question was earlier. Do forgive me.
0: That's all right. I was merely saying how talented you are. Let's go back to the start, Timothy. One of
1: them things. You know, I suppose I, I don't know that. Um, it's not for me to decide about that. You'd hope that um, there was something there that keeps you going. And, you know, and um, there's a compulsion that must be driven by something to, to keep doing something as ridiculous as acting, you know, <laughs> this desire to want to play other human beings and uh, and, 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 and try and investigate people's internal emotional and intellectual poetry. Oh, I Ifalutin, but um, you know what I mean? So it's, (laughs) um, you know, but it's, it's true that, I mean, it sounds a bit, you know, but it is true. It's, I'm fascinated by what goes on in other people's lives, whatever they do. You know, I, I, I'm really fascinated what, you know, what makes people tick. And I, I I have been since I was a kid, I think, in a, in an instinctive way without, in, in an undemonstrable way, you know, and now I'm demonstrating it by, by I suppose I had to demonstrate it in a way by, by this compulsion to want to be an actor, which is a, an affliction more than a choice, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, I mean, let's talk about childhood because I, I, must say, you know, when you look at your, your sort of beginnings, the fact that you're the third of four boys and and so on, you were brought up, I believe, on a council estate in Battersea. And in, in the early yeah. days you didn't have a bathroom, you didn't have central heating. You know, these as as, no. as, as you look out your window as a sort of seven year old boy, you're not really you know, thinking to yourself, you know, isn't like it? Say, yeah.
1: <laughs> sounds like a <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was Sorry about that. But but the point is didn't as, have a at
1: the top of our wheel on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know,
0: you know what I'm getting that though, Timothy. You know, you're, you're not the sort of character at that sort of age. You're not sort of thinking someday, you know, you'll be you'll be in Hollywood and you'll be winning awards and you'll be an OBE. You, you're sort of, I mean, this in the nicest possible way. I think you've said it in a previous interview. You know, it's the sort of upbringing where people expect you to go into a trade or something, not not be a lovey.
1: Yeah, no, there there was more of yes, that that was more prevalent in amongst the people um, that I was went to school with. Um, I mean, I happen to have my you know my my parents were were both lovely, you know, individuals. Uh, My dad was a scaffolder when I was born, and then became a postman, and then a postal clerk. My mum, when I was born, as I've said this before, was uh, actually you know, housewife, but working in a chip shop, not when I was born. At the the point was, I was born, I was born at home. That would have been Um, impressive. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't dropped into the hot, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, um, no, um, but she was, um, you know, she was a self. she taught herself hairdressing and then uh, did hairdressing in our house and then got a little shop and then was also a sang, Um, you know, was had a lovely voice and sang in uh, a pub sometimes and then, and then she she won even won a, a talent contest at Butlin. So there's a little bit of that. And her dad, who was a Times worked for the Times newspaper all his life as a started out as a postboy, then ended up as a as a sales rep, you know, going around sending all the newspapers in the city mainly. Mm. Um and this is eight years, years ago, you know, uh, before the war and and after the war. Um so he he was also a uh, he he did a bit of um he and a mate and they did a bit of Sort of entertaining as well, you know. So there was a little bit of a strain in it. So we were very, you know, from very ordinary background, but there was a, a slight sort of nod towards it, you know what I mean? So it wasn't completely bizarre. Although my mum, you know, uh, she wanted to go to, she had aspirations when she was a girl to go to Rada, um, which was the only drama school that you'd really you'd heard of at the time. But her uh, father had to point out that it was out of the question because he knew he couldn't afford it. You know, and um, it just—it wasn't something that you did unless you were very, very lucky. Uh, you know that in the in the nineteen, you know, early forties, you know, uh, late forties, early fifties, it wasn't something she could, um, you know, that that uh, was I like, was going to ever happen? And she got married very young anyway. You know, my she had my. My oldest brother at at, uh, at uh, nineteen, you know. So it was, um you know. She she got on with it in that way. It was more of a fantasy than a reality, you know.
0: Yes, yes. Do you think that's one of the reasons why she was so encouraging of you?
1: Yeah. Yes, indeed. I think when I, you know, when I did all of a sudden pop up and show a bit of um, a bit of a spark, it was, you know, she and I decided my drama teacher. um uh, Helen and me, to, to this day, I I'm, uh, we remain uh, enormously grateful. I, I just played the Lion in The Wizard of Oz in the school play, and it had gone well. And she said, um, you know, she was helping me take my lion's nose off, believe it or not. <laughs> I played <laughs> Lion in The Wizard of Oz. And uh, she said, I've never said this to any of my pupils before because it's a horrible business, but I think you should be an actor. and um, i thought my goodness me yeah. uh, and it was all, uh, a light went off like a you know the, the, my tiny little universe shifted and all of a sudden it made absolute sense you know um and um and she said i still you know point you in the right direction if i can and uh she just thought it would be a good idea if i would, did because i failed on my o levels and O levels apart from art. so she said i think maybe you should go and do some A-level, O-levels elsewhere. And then she found this place that did a drama course and O-levels at the same time. I dumped the O-level side after a while and just stuck with the drama. And then when I was 19, I, I, well, at 18, I joined the National Youth Theatre, 17 actually. And then at 19, I got into RADA myself. and mm. I was over the moon, you know, um, and my dad. And, and they were very willing to, to contribute. I got my a grant from the uh, from the GLC uh, um, uh, and uh, took for the pay for the fees and then they contributed some subsistence for me as well so you know it was it was um you know it was uh, it was with their support uh, of course and it was um and I think she was just so pleased because it was like something that she you know as I say was a fancy a desire and I managed to do it you
0: know? yes yes and, and what a moment for your teacher to sort of suggest that to you. That I mean that's yeah. going out on a limb on her part, but she must have just thought this boy is that good he's got to do well
1: it. I, when, when I think of it back then, it was kind of risky, wasn't it? you know yeah. um for her to suggest it knowing um knowing how how you know shark infested that whole that world, but she must have had a an idea that there was a ch- a big chance and uh you know thank you elena if you're if you're listening and i I've never managed to get hold of her um thank you from the bottom of my heart because. uh it kind of worked out.
0: <laughs> it sure did. I bet she's watched everything you've done with such pride.
1: Well, it's of my love and I hope if she has and she's still around and listening or somebody does know her, give her my love and thanks.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a life-changing moment, Timothy, and wow, thank goodness she did it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, and then I, you know, it was funny to discover, you know, um, as well. that, uh, And then I did the, can never remember if I did that. And then I played out with Pete Doolittle in the My Fair Lady at school. And then I ended up in the National Usage and ended up playing playing staff. I'd never done really done Shakespeare at um, school. And all of a sudden, I was in Henry the Fourth, Part One, playing staff Thinking, what the hell is this all about? That's a big you know, role. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a noise, it's a wonderful part, and it's you know, and it's a uh, you know, it's, it's Elizabethan language. And I, so I, you know, I'd had this. So, I, I subsequently went on to be completely educated by my by, by my the privilege of my profession. You know, I went to RADA. I played did Shakespeare, Gorky, you know, um, you know, uh, Chekhov, uh, Beaumarchais, and uh, you know, uh, amazing um, writers, and uh, and introduced to, to a whole world of of English literature that i would not. In a sense, I come to fresh and pure from a practical point of view, you know. So I had—I didn't have any—I um, didn't have any hang-ups about it. I didn't have any sense of um, boredom about having any structure about language. I just discovered it and, and uh, was able to, to, to learn in a very practical, hands-on way. Sometimes that's the best way, I think. You know, you love to learn quick and work it out yourself.
0: Yes, you were like a clean page, weren't you, for for, yeah. for the text. Uh, for the teachers. It must have been remarkable for them, actually.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I remember going, when I was at RADA, I did this part in an a Arnold Wesker play. I did play these two parts very early on. I'd only been at RADA about four months. And the great thing about RADA then was then they got you out. Hugh Crutwell, it was the, the, uh, the principal, his idea was to get actors in front of an audience, quicker paying audience, to let them learn on the job. So we did an um, we did an Arnold Wesker play in which I played a a a a Geordie um, Union leader, middle aged, and a middle aged um, Tory cabinet minister. <laughs> two double parts, and um, I did these two parts. And I even borrowed an old, sort of slightly posh-looking jacket of my dad. Um, um it was sort of a sort of a car, sort of a kind of safari coat for the touring and then I got another old jacket. I don't remember what it is, and I just managed to cobble together a Geordie accent and then did this very, you know, kind of Etonian character and uh I was my twin then. well it must have been nineteen, yeah. And uh, I remember one of the voice teachers saying, um actually, um that was, that was rather good. Um um can I? Uh, how on earth do you, um have you been able to experience? Uh, you know, it was. he didn't mean to be patronizing. How, <laughs> how did you know do it? About how did you know about these ca- characters? Uh, so well, I suppose I've I've been watching telly since I was born. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it was it was interesting that, it, and I remember thinking. W- well, actually, in retrospect, how did I know? Because I certainly not many, hadn't met any Conservative ministers, already the, um and its uh Union leaders, I, and and it, you know, and it, that is a way. That is the way. That is a you know a, a, that had been a route for me to observe the world um, through television. So I, I'd you know I'd always had a very inquisitive mind, and also I read quite a lot. You know, I, I picked up I had a mag, magpie like mine. so I was very inquisitive, and I. I do remember kind of coming up and working on these parts thinking, actually I do this, I you know, talk like this out, and yeah, I can kinda of get a character going around with, and then I talk, but like that oh, you yeah. and I thought and I sort of worked it out and then these characters and I started thinking about where they're from, whatever, what they're like as human beings and all of a sudden I thought, Oh, actually, yeah, I think I think I can probably do this. It was really like that, you know. Oh. It was a quite a sort of interesting um Exercise, you know, you don't. It's one of them things you don't know you can do it until you do it, you know.
0: Yes, yes, and mm-hmm. a, is that something that continues to be part of the appeal for you? Because you are a big researcher. You do do you do do the work into the characters before just kind of showing up on set, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think about it a lot, and I think you know, as I said, television uh, as a kid was a big, um you know, obviously an influence on the eye on the world, but also I think having an inflamed imagination, you know. Um, really helps to be an actor because you, you you have to think you know you have to really think out of the box and imagine them empathize as it were and that's always that's come in good stead with me uh, in my career as well because i often have to play either really lovely charming characters or sometimes unpalatable ones you know characters that were a little bit unpleasant yes um it's great to to get this um have this ability to really work out not you know, and understand. Even people who are, uh, you know, uh, traditionally unpleasant have a story to tell. That they were baby in arms, you know, that they they walked about. That they were probably tickled under the chin, and their mother loved them, or, or maybe didn't. Maybe that's the reason why they're unpleasant, or, or you know, whatever. You've got to think about these things, and just the flight of imagination. What you can't find out uh, from fact, or, or or what might be true, you have to imagine it. You know, and that's I think that is. Imagination is a um, is a, is a, is a big part of the whole old part of the toolbox. You know.
0: Hello, it's John Markar here from our sister podcast, the Driven Chat Podcast. Right now, you're listening to the Andy J Podcast, and it's quite good, isn't it? In fact, do me a favour, give it a little review, five stars, and wherever you're listening, hit that little subscribe or follow button because it does help. See you around. The Andy J Podcast. Yes, absolutely. I mean, your body of work is is significant, Timothy. I mean, if we were to list every movie going, you wouldn't get a chance to speak for this hour because you, you've been in so much. But when it comes to researching for movies, because I know the audience will be fascinated by this. Like you say, you've had a huge breadth of roles. You aren't typecast. You know, there, there isn't a sort of, oh, he always plays lawyers or whatever it might be. You play such a sweep of different things. What is the approach? Do you get to meet the authors? Do you get sent on, like, if you're, I don't know, we we often heard people in ER, for example, would actually be sent to the emergency rooms for a while to, to kind of observe. Does that really happen? Do you really get sort of training before you perform?
1: Uh, it depends on the job and the time frame and the budget of the time. You know, um, one of the things about working with Mike Lee is that that is an integral part of the, um, of the job, you know, that you... Uh, you every because you because you start with no script and the script is evolved out of the research and out of group improvisations and so on. Many much quite a complicated and complex individual process that Lee is totally individually um, invented himself. Uh, but it does involve a huge amount of uh, detailed uh, investigation from day one. Uh, what the person was like from day one to the point you are about to play them. So. You have to really do go um, and research. And if they have a job, you know, um, that you go and learn about that job. You know, I've played like a high street photographer. Um, I've played a a chef with Mike. I've played a musical uh, singer. I've played a um, taxi driver. Uh, uh, And so you go and do these things. You go and actually... Um, not live that life, but go and, you know. I spent a lot of time with photographers, um, high street photographers. Um, you know, I spent. Uh, I didn't. I didn't drive a taxi. But I was about to enough, say, who did,
0: you, who did you pick up in the cab? That, that
1: would have yeah, been fun. Well, I'm in the back of enough and I can drive a car. But, uh, you know, <laughs> um, and this character played a taxi driver was a bit of a you know, a bit of a sort of lost soul. Anyway, you know. Um, but um, so you know that that really literally um, you know. You invent an entire um, parallel universe when you work with Michael. Even now, when Brenda and I did *Secrets and Lies*, uh, um, which was one of his most, you know, successful films, um, which uh, you know garnered all sorts of Oscar nominations and yeah, stuff. Um, and uh,
0: yeah.
1: Brenda and I play brother and sister, and you know, there's still a there's still a a, a doorway on the Woolworth Road when I drive past it. I, I think oh that's where my that's where doctor um our doctors is there and of course it isn't it was actually the <laughs> doc it's our character's doctor in you know which we talked about for ages um uh, you know you really do go into this but anyway as i say that that's where I might live that you don't often get that luxury but what that has done that discipline and that um that technique and always done it to a certain degree it it always makes me want to find out more, to, to invent things, to depending on the time, to, to ponder what people are like, where they live, what their circumstances are, what they are like before they turn up in that scene, and what they're going to do after that scene. Mm. You know, you know, even when I, but years ago, you know, even when I when I did the school play, um, when I was, I must have been sixteen when I played Alfred P. Doolittle, and I read in the script, um, Alfred P. Doolittle lives in a tenement in Tottenham Court Road. So I got on a tube and I went and walked around and tried to find tenements in Tottenham Court Road. Of course, there, there weren't any, but I looked around and I could see sort of feel the ghost of it and think, actually, this is how I could see him walking down. So I was kind of doing it, yeah. you know. So it's it kind of suited me, really, when I ended up working with Mike. And I've done, like, seven things with him, you know. Um, and it's culminating with uh, Mr. Turner, which was the kind of uh, one that did... You know, in a sense, was a big career thing for me as well. You know, uh, best
0: actor at can. I mean, that's that's huge.
1: Well, it was. Yeah, that was nice. That was a very nice experience. Yeah, I uh, bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. So. Yeah, so, so um, I can't, I'm just waffling on it. I can't remember what I was. What I've lost me trying to. Talk, no, getting, uh, getting
0: into characters. I mean, yeah. I mean, Timothy, you've done you've done so much, and there are certain people I know will be listening for certain movies. So I'm I'm, I'm going to have to pick out a few. You'll you'll sure. know what's coming. I hope you don't mind. But then there's a whole load of other questions I have for you about yourself, and of course the Grand Duke of Corsica. But yeah, let, yeah. let's start with the big franchise because you've done a few. Let, we'll start off with Harry Potter. Where, you, yep. obviously, Peter Pettigrew slash Wormtail. I mean, what a character to be to be handed the, the sort of task of occupying that one.
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, it, it's funny. It, um, he's also got another name because I sometimes have to write him down. He's Peter Pettigrew, Wormtail, and Scabbers. <laughs> yes, 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 that's fair. So, you know, free for the price of one. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that was um that was a very, very interesting um thing that came along. I mean it's actually this, you know, and I don't wanna sound you know arrogant here, but it's a, one of the smallest parts I've ever played in a in a in a in a, um in a film, but also one of the most um inter- most internationally well known. It's very mm. bizarre. Um, but of course that's one of those um I hadn't read the books um when this came my way and I, I I said to my my kids who were reading it. I said, "What's going? What's this character?" Peter. I said to my youngest, Sadie. I said, "What's this? She's about sixteen, then, I think, maybe 15. Um, what's this character, Peter? What, what? Why are you asking? I said, um, "Oh, I've been asked to play it." Have you? Yeah, I was oh, great. And then I told my brother, my kid brother, that, and him and his uh, partner, they were reading it and said, "Oh, you've got to do that." You know? Yeah, yeah. That so um, turned out to be strong and- advice. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, it, it, and then, of course, then I found out that, um, I, I met, I went to meet Alfonso Cuaron, who was directing that, who's gone on to win every, everything since then, you know. He's a <laughs> yes. lovely guy as well. And, um, and, uh, I met him. I had such a great interview. And he also told me that Gary, o, Gary um, that, uh, David Thewlis and, uh, Gary Oldman and, uh, were playing the other two parts and, uh. And, and of course, the great Alan Rickman. So that that was the first scene I was going to be in. I thought, oh, this is interesting. Yes. All, and all these that I knew them all, and they were all brilliant. So, well, this is uh, this is all seeming like a prospect I can't um, turn down. And then, of course, um, I started, started to uh, um, become apparent to me how much people loved these books I and mean, what a big deal this was. And you know, it it was. Um, and of course the first one had already been made and this was the second one I seem to think. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was the second one, wasn't it? Yes, and it was, um yeah. and um, you know, it was gathering this almost religious religious sort of status, you know, of people being really adoring it and um and then I did it and um I I enjoyed it, you know, Alfonso was a brilliant director and those other actors were contemporaries of mine. We had a you know you know, and then then, the, then then getting on that set and realizing that the, the amount of craft, the detail that was going on around it, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the hordes of mentally talented technical designers and mm. prop men, lighting men, cameraman. I mean, it was like, and then going into this, being escorted into this room that somebody said, do you want to come and have a look at Hogwarts? You know, and being taken into this studio with this amazing model of Hogwarts that had been built, you know? Yes. And I was somebody sort of putting individual leaves on the trees that were all like actually models, bonsai, oak trees. I mean, it was unbelievable the, wow. the quality of, um, you know, the, 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 the attention to detail that go, were going into that and the skill, you know? So that was... That was the great thing about it, and then turning up in the morning, and uh, and there'd be some you know British movie or or theatre icon having a having a false ear off stuck on or an eyeball <laughs> screwed in, or <laughs> you know some night some night of the realm. Uh, morning, you know, how's it going? Oh, I was having my eyeball screwed in, you know. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, so and then and then. Then it becoming bigger and bigger and bigger, and then the wonderful thing about that, of course is, um, apart from the apart from how excellent how, how people uh, ca- catch on to it and how much they love the whole thing, is the fact that it gets kids interested in writing and reading. Yes, you know,
0: yes, absolutely. They
1: read become this amazing, you know, spark for kids to, to, to read, to pick up books and read them, which is brilliant. You know,
0: yeah. Yeah, wonderful. No, I mean it's it's a it's a franchise. I mean Harry Potter world is still one of the most sort of popular visits in uh in, in the UK. It's it's incredible. It's it's amazing how well yeah. it's done. Uh, another one I have to talk to you about was what it was like working alongside Tom Cruise, which of course you did for Vanilla Sky. I mean, he's he's an icon, isn't he? Yeah,
1: Vanilla Sky and uh, The Last Samurai. Yes. I did two films of him. Yeah, oh, he's lovely. He's a, he's a great guy. I really liked him. You know, um and, you know, one thing you got two things you want to know, think and know about Tom is he's a really lovely guy. Very, very, very kind and lovely man. And also, you know, um, when you think of it, to be, you know, at the top for nearly 30 years now and to, to remain like, like that, um, you know, at that position, still making, you know, those films and still turning out these amazing films. Um, you know, products of brilliant films and varied, mm-hmm. that's a remarkable thing. That's that's the devotion to, to knowing what entertainment is and, and never shortchanging your fans and, and, and making films. Um, you know, he produces a lot of them. You know, he's actually, you know, he's a really, a, a, you know, he, he ultimately employs hundreds of people, you know, uh, in, directly in and in a you know and i mean he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a great you know um, great character great modern hollywood character you know and um, also you know very 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 fine actor and i i'm here to say it once again a very 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 nice man
0: yes i'm amazed he's never had a proper award you know he's, I, I always kind of think to myself look at the roles he's played and the franchises the money his movies have made you know that's, that's yeah. because he's beloved and he's terrific at what he does it always surprises me that he doesn't you know he doesn't sort of always grace the award ceremonies you know it's just, why why not what's going on there
1: well, you'll often find that that's the case, you know, that people are, who are purveyors, you know, constantly doing it. They don't, you know, Hitchcock never got an Oscar, did he? Until the end. You know, it doesn't work just the way it does go sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, um, you know, he's also, the one another reason that he's so, you know, um, successful. is He keeps his eye close to the ground. He, he's always interested. I remember when I worked with him, um, First time I ever worked with him, I was working with Danny Boyle on a on a TV thing. This is um, he was just about to do um, Twenty Eight Days, I think, and oh, it's cool. just before, you know, and um, and Tom, you know, it was only a TV, like a BBC Two um, uh, TV thing that called Vacuuming Completely Nude in Paradise. It was called cool that Danny was I mean, <laughs> what a uh, name, Jim brilliant, all Car- oh, right Yeah, Jim Carra, and Tom was just really interested in because I had to get back to. I said, you know, they worked out the dates. You know, there was always a thing that I needed to get back. And he was just intrigued about, um, you know, about uh, Danny Boyle and what, you know, they just, they're they just, he was just interested in in what was going on. He just keeps, who's coming up, who are the talented directors, who are the good writers, you know, they, they're, they're, they're very, you know, that was the thing, those little forays into Hollywood I, I have had. Well, I, I'm always impressed by how, knowledgeable um and our you know contrary to popular opinion they're not completely wrapped up in themselves they're very interested in other people's works and, and what else you've done they have a, a breadth a huge breadth of knowledge of film in general you know you know uh, current and past and and um that's how they keep where they are they you know they 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 are very they're very interested
0: you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, Tom's work ethic is, is sort of renowned as being incredible. I love the idea. Yeah. You you've sort of called him a lovely man a couple of times, Timothy. I love the idea that you guys maybe have a text relationship or something where you, you send each other comedy gifts for birthdays and things. Do you, are you still in touch? No,
1: no, I, no, I'm <laughs> not. In, no, but, um, you know, I, I always, every time I bumped into him over the years occasionally, and um, it's always been very pleasant. No, I don't, no, we're not, uh, we're not, we we don't have a textual epistle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: that's a shame. (laughs) Maybe, maybe for the next movie.
1: (laughs) I'm not Tom Cruise, and I do not have a textual epistle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title of his autobiography. I think that would. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop kind of naming films at you in, after this last one, because we've got so much more to discuss, Timothy. But, but I remember talking to Michael Sheen about the responsibilities he felt when he was playing a real life character, a, a real person who, who he might have even met or rubbed shoulders with or was just very aware of. And of course, in the King's speech, you had the lofty responsibility of portraying Winston Churchill. Now, what was that yeah.
1: like? Well, it was uh, a challenge. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not the first but by by any stretch of the imagination. There are brilliant people who have done it before me, and have done it since. So there's all that. But um, you take on an icon like that, right? And there are so many. There are so many different opinions and feelings uh, about about him, and you know. Uh, and obviously, he's worshipped and adored by most, and some not, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, but mostly, he is one of the great, great characters of the of the last hundred years. You know, we, uh, I mean, that's within doubt. And no? but, you know, I take it on the same way as I take on anything. You know, um, I think you know there is a lot of material that you can um, you, know, you can draw from that, that and there is lots of footage of him. Uh, and there's lots of literature about him um so you read and i just and also what i do is i i, I look and i listen i had to listen to him he's listened to his speeches uh, of, were amazing that was a great experience over and over again and yes. just, the, 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 stunning, the, the um full speeches you know not just the not just the highlights and that get the, the hairs on the back of your neck going up about this this amazing power this Almost his war machine of uh, language that he was able to use, you know, and um, and then think about his past and what he was, where he's from, and what he was like physically, and what he was um, what he was like in his quiet moments. You know, it's it's not it's only it's only a a cameo in that in that film, really. But you try and bring as much detail to it as you can. You know, there's a physical attributes, and then there's all the stuff underneath it it's the same with any character whether it be an icon like like Winston Churchill or a, or a, or a, it's kind of slightly hapless taxi driver you you're you know I always think your responsibility as a performer is to is to dig deep and just try and you know, give as many layers as you can and hopefully not let anybody you know think that I'll you know see you doing it really just turn up as the character you know
0: brilliant yeah, what an approach. I love it. And didn't I, I mean, this might be my brain, so apologies Timothy, I often get things wrong, but I seem to remember the, the 2012 Olympic Ceremony. You you showed up as Winston again then, didn't you?
1: I did. I yeah. was asked. Um, I, I was asked to do that. Um, and I popped out the top of, of um, Big Ben. <laughs> yes, um, that's right. <laughs> that, was, that was an interesting experience. I would climb up there and crouch down in there and all the and it was live and I, I made the mistake of asking the um the director uh um I just said as i he was a charming fella I said just as a matter of interest uh, uh, how many in the audience he said oh 80,000 um <laughs> and uh, and then he said and about a billion are watching on live <laughs> I, I, No, wish I hadn't asked that you know and um um and Lloyd Lloyd Weber was down. I think he was popping out of um, he was popping out of uh, <laughs> uh, St Paul's Cathedral on another clip. And um, and, then, and backstage, I remember backstage was an amazing experience because I there was the Spice Girls doing an a cappella version of what I want, what I really really want. And there was the Who riffing in another dressing room. Oh. And then Weber doing a bit of um, Dvorak all practicing. And then an opera singer. I mean, it was like an unbelievable um, thing. You know, it was just uh, the whole thing was, you know, it it was a, it was a, um, you know, it was a very, it was a remarkable experience and uh, and, and quite nerve wracking. Yes, I bet. I bet. Especially Mm.
0: when you've had that billion number drop into your head, you can't not constantly focus on that.
1: Uh, no, I think somebody said, not quite as many as the opening, and that was no comfort to me. <laughs> <laughs> and totally also, so it was not only, do- only doing, uh, not only doing um, Churchill, but Churchill doing Caliban from the Tempest, you know. Um, that was, just, <laughs> I said, ah, can I pull this off the cheek of it? It's outrageous. <laughs>
0: Oh, it's brilliant. It's testament to how well you're regarded, though, Timothy. So I, I love that. Um, right. Look, I'm desperate to talk about the Grand Duke of Corsica because I watched it last night and I've got so much to ask you about it. But but again, there is one more story that I need to address with you, which I, I hope you don't mind. I'm acutely aware of our time as well. And this is the, the health challenges 1996 when you were 39. And you were told that you had acute myeloid leukemia. I mean, holy yeah. man, that must have stopped you in your tracks.
1: It literally did, of course, yeah. yeah. Acute myeloid phobia, yeah. It was, um, yeah, no, it was, you know, uh, the worst, one of the worst things, if not the worst thing I've ever heard. You know, um, yes, it was, um, it was a terrible, terrible moment. Um, and uh, mercifully, um, uh, with uh, great skill uh, and great love, my wife and particularly my kids, my family and friends, I got through, you know. Uh, I've often said that, you know, it's, uh, you know, goodwill uh, and medical expertise uh, and love was got, got me through. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's not something, you know, you know, I, being a sort of, you know, one of the, well, at the time, a sort of a hypochondriac, it wasn't the one I saw coming, you oh, know. Oh. Um, but um, so it was a terrible terrible moment and um and for a long time afterwards for five or six years it it felt like something that was happening to me but then like all these things you get by you get through them and then you know you have a certain period where you're you're told you know if you get through the first five years you're unlikely to relapse there were a couple of dodgy moments in it where i thought i had what i hadn't thank god um and then now it's it's 23, 24 years ago, so it's something that happened. Um, you know, it's uh, it was uh, it was a, 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 an awful period, but one that, um, you know, in the long run, I think, you know, I wouldn't advise it as a as an aid memoir to <laughs> making you understand better or making you a better actor, but it certainly, I think, gives you a deeper understanding of what it's like to have a bit of suffering in your life, put it that way.
0: Right. Right. Yes, it's a like like these light bulb moments you've discussed historically, usually linked to good things. This is a slightly different one.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, and I think you know I've always always been a huge accentuator of the positive. I think you know all the old cliches. What well, don't kill you make you stronger, and blah blah blah. Unless it maims you, in which case it makes you weaker. It doesn't. It doesn't work on that one, does it? But um, <laughs> um, but it can make you mentally strong. And these things do, you know. Um you know, they um, they do add, you know, just another layer, just another stitch in the old bloody tapestry of what goes on in your life. and You know, you take it forth. And, um, you know, and hopefully, it, it, if anything, it, it, it certainly makes you grateful for the advances in medical expertise and the skill and kindness of doctors and the love of your family and friends. Um, but it also, you know... Um, you know, hopefully it gives you – turns up the old ratchet on the humility, you know, on the, and on the, on the sense of um, importance of, of, uh, about things. And, you know, I didn't want to make a big deal about um, the fact that you have to suffer when you're ill. But I think when you do, and, and you know, God bless people who are, I think you realize that there is a, a shared thing, you know, uh, that, you know, to have a taste of it yourself, there are people suffering. And, it, and it's a good thing to know what that – you know what a lot of people are going through, um, um, in one form or another, and um, obviously, as you get through it, you you go and it becomes the past. But it's um, it's something that uh, you know uh, a, a humbling a humbling uh, uh, um, experience. You know?
0: Yes, yes. Well, thank goodness it is just a memory now because uh, that that cannot have been a, a nice time in your life, um, right?
1: <laughs> It also gives you a great zest for life, you know. That's you know, you go, you go on, you get on with it, and then it, it gives you a great uh barometer on what is and what isn't important, you know, what you should, you know, how much time you have, you know, and how much you've got to do, and you know, and and not to, to you know, don't let fear hold you back, you know.
0: Yeah, that's a really really important thing to actually to, to grasp, isn't it? Because life is short, and, and some people don't realize it. it's almost like it's almost like when a when a youngster's just been taught to drive they sort of think they're invincible they think that the thing they're driving is is you know damage proof until they have a crash and then they realize oh hang on i should probably slow down a bit it's the sort of medical version of that
1: well yeah i think you um you know you you life is a a, a myriad of experiences you know and you 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 either learn from them or you don't you know um uh and i think if you try and accentuate the positive and it's very very hard for people who you know are you know who have terrible experiences and can't go over it and i understand that but um you know it's like anything i think you have to constantly try and you know accentuate the positive uh, you know cast out the old cast out the any resentments and things like that but it's it's difficult and i know it's not easy for it's easy for people to say when they haven't got these things uh, uh, things they can't shed but I think you know I think um, you know it's like the, the pandemic was an interesting thing wasn't it how how that brought out the negative and the and the positive in in, 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 in aspects of life and, and in individuals it was a remarkable group and shared experience you know and it, and I don't know whether I'm imagining it but since you know things have started to get back to a modicum of normal being out and doing things like Voting and being around, I think it seems, people seem to be, there seems to be a lot more um, calmness and kindness about it. could just be my useless, my hopeless sort of optimism. And But it seems to me that the world has taken a breath. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, uh, I, I might be wrong, but it seems like it has. You know, I'd like to think so. But then again, you know, maybe I'm just an optimistic fool, you know. <laughs> well, I think,
0: I think some people have... have Realise that that actually they they've taken a lot of things for granted, and when they were removed, they're they're delighted that they've been restored. So I th- yeah, I think some people absolutely have have learnt uh, a humility and, a, and and an appreciation as a result of the pandemic. Definitely, yeah.
1: I mean, that's, but again, yeah, and working actually that where the normal has become extraordinary, it's become you know who would have thought that the normal that drudgery would have become something that you were after again, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that you would removed from your. Just, you know, so it's an interest, it's been an interesting, um, interest, see how it lasts, yes. what the next is, please God, let it be a good
0: one. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, because we've had the great reset. Um Now then, the Grand Duke of Corsica, the new movie, you're playing Alfred Rott, who's a, a genius architect with bad guts and a potty mouth, shall we say.
1: Prescription. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes,
0: I have to say I really enjoyed this movie and Timothy if I can be sort of really blunt to start with the title I wasn't excited about watching it the Grand Duke of Corsica it didn't it didn't sort of grip me I was sort of thinking to myself "Oh, okay this is going to be powdered wigs and period costumes so the minute you appear on the steps everything changed for me and I was absolutely hooked
1: well that's brilliant well it's great to know um yeah, um, no, it is it is a slightly odd title, isn't it? It had an odder one at first and that was called the obscure life of the Grand Duke of Corsica. Yes. So they um, um so it has got a it's it's been shaved down a little bit. No, I see what you mean. No, it could be construed as some lost um restoration play that's been turned into something, couldn't it? But it, yeah. No, it's um it's why it's a very, very um unusual and uh, um and uh, textured story i think and it goes off in various different tangents and which comes back and winds its way back to the same same idea and this character alfred brock is such a such a wonderful um you know as uh, I say kind of, un, sort of un, unashamedly um uh cantankerous and unpleasant at times character who who, who who has an experience, again, that, um, you know, uh, even in his, it, it, at a point of his career, um, you know, in this, uh, and which, you know, again, takes him on a journey, you know, um, that he wasn't expecting and an unlikely result friendship with this bizarre man who he'd usually want to throw, throw out of a window, let alone get to know, you know.
0: Yes, I mean, your character arc was wonderful. And I, and I thought to myself, I bet you loved playing this role because he's such an interesting and curious individual.
1: Yeah, no, he, he is because he is, um, you know, he, he, it's, I often don't get the chance to play somebody who is so rude, you know. <laughs> he really is rude, yeah. Really, really rude and, and kind of, um, and, and, you know, there are those people who, who wake up um, waiting for, to be annoyed, you know, he's one. <laughs> <laughs> Relishing the prospect of being annoyed, he's one of them, you know. And I think that's it's because he's because he's a sort of a genius, and he's but he's also run out of patience with the people who are are, are employing him after time. You know, he's this brilliant architect. He, he can't stand to be um, messed about with, and 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 people to to, to 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 make him compromise. You know, he's an uncompromising character. Um, And so he finds himself in Malta, and he finds himself uh, about to do this job which goes badly. And then he finds himself on this very bizarre journey being sucked into the world of this very unusual man, this uh, self-appointed character who, of course, is known as the Grand Duke of Corsica. You know, I won't give too much away, but it's this bizarre um, billionaire who lives in this weird castle that he goes to see and he doesn't really he's not that um you know he's he's one of them people immediately that he doesn't really um take to you know um he thinks it's going to be another it's just going to be another exercise in 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 being you know meeting somebody who is just going to uh drive him mad unusually it doesn't work out like that it does at first but the character is so compelling and so strange and wild and mad that they form this odd, um, this odd alliance. I mean, and this, but this journey obviously goes. He ends up going to this bizarre kind of high class, sort of, um, sort of, um, sort of, uh, I suppose, sort of upper management type of, you know, uh, corporate sex sort of party that he, he doesn't like, and then he ends up you know, um, goes to the jazz. He ends, he's always having an argument. He always, he always ends up having an argument with people. Yes, he does. Yes. Bizarre, bizarre relationship in the shoes of this man, who like I said, is he, is, is he's, who's played by the wonderful Peter Stodomori, uh, who, um, who, um, you know, they form this odd, um, this odd friendship, you know, because he's got to build this, he, he gets a commission to build this, um, to build a mausoleum for him, you know, which is uh, which is something um, that he he's never been asked to do before. And then there's these bizarre, um, very unusual um, subplot with Francis of Assisi, uh, uh, with these questions of mortality and and sainthood, and, and and him saving a leper. that all inform this kind of bizarre inspiration for him to build this very unusual. Uh, extraordinary sort of Philippe stark type um, 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 uh, Frank Geary sort of um, uh, type sculptural thing where this character can reside for all eternity and and become immortal by by becoming a becoming a tree
0: yes. <laughs> yeah peach tree I, I must say I loved mm. I loved the finished the finished product I thought,
1: I, thought, I thought the design was great
0: I was really impressed but 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 I mean similarly, you know, the movie visually, I mean, like you said, there's a there's a heck of a lot going on, and there's all these sort of random timeline jumps and these, these tangents, and there's pandemics and malaria epidemic and all kinds of other things happening. But actually, the central point of the movie is your dynamic, the relationship between yourself and this wild billionaire, and it is it's yeah. it's absolutely captivating, and it looks stunning. Daniel Graham's the director, isn't it? And he's his yeah, eye, yeah. wow. I mean, it's really gorgeous to look at.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now it's. God, it's in the it's in the sort of style of those great you know um, people have been uh, comparing it to Peter Greenaway and things like that and saying that they're similar those great visual feasts where the the place is as much and the um, atmosphere is as much as as the story as the as the tale is so you get this this peek into this world where it forms its own its own sort of world where you're sucked into it you know this this extraordinary um um parallel sort of universe that this, these people exist in, you know mm. and this 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 odd, oddly prescient this was written you know three or two years before the pandemic was even ever even ever you know it was a blink in anybody's eye it was coincidental that you know that slowly but surely the backdrop for this thing is revealed as this very very um you know um uh, uh, awful strong uh, um, life-threatening uh um strain of malaria that people are just dropping all over the place he, he eventually you know he, he he finds himself having to finish this this bizarre mausoleum as he's building this friendship with this strange man um, you know in, a, in an island that's that's being um, you know uh, under attack by this by this uh, by this pandemic this this disease you know it was very very oddly um you know as i say prescient,
0: you know yeah yeah no, it must have been um, must have been fascinating actually so we have been yeah. reading the script at the time when it was all happening and then and then to film it presumably under some um, covid regulation restrictions and so on as well no no
1: no, we didn't it wasn't it was completely and utterly coincidental this was before this was wow. this was about six months ago did no, the the, the the pandemic was a uh, wasn't even dreamed of. No one, no one saw it coming. This was about coming on two years ago, I think, maybe eighteen months ago. It's taken time for it to come out because of the pandemic. Gosh. No, there was no, no, there was absolutely nothing. It was totally and utterly, utterly um, uh, coincidental. Oh, that's bonkers! Wow, it is. It's, no, no, it's. It, it, I couldn't believe it. I remember. Getting a, you know, talking uh, to the producer about this afterwards, when you know it's about six months afterwards that this happened, it was like, oh my goodness me, this is a because I always thought this is a bit outlandish. This part of the plot, you know, yeah. I thought part of the plot this this um this uh this this pandemic happening. I thought, will it? Will people buy this? This surely this would never happen. <laughs> my, you know, it's the uh, the, the one of the strains in the plot that is the most relevant, in a sense, you know, and of course, some critics have, have, have accused it of being opportunism. It's absolutely not. It's it's more of a uh, more of a prediction than than a than a than a, than a, than a um, opportunism. You know, it's, it's
0: a risk. Real... I thought yeah, the, I thought it'd that's... been like added in afterwards. I just sort of thought, oh, okay, well, they've added in a pandemic plot because you know that's what the public know right now. But if before, no, no, goodness no, me.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and it was probably written 18 months before we shot it, so about three years before the pandemic. Yeah, no doubt about it. I can absolutely give you that horse's mouth, and that is true, totally wow. true.
0: Wow, can you get the lottery numbers as well? Because this guy, he knows his stuff.
1: Well, well yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and Malta, there's something about Malta. That's why a lot of people film there it's got a wonderful light you know as well and this fantastic architecture there's a, a real ancient quality to it there's a kind of odd magic about it you know it's it's close enough to africa to be it's europe but it's close enough to africa to have a kind of mysticism about it And you know everybody's been there from the knights templars to the moors it's just a it's a, it's a wonderful Feeling in that place that can that can produce um, you know this this beautiful light in these buildings, but you know it, it's it I, I'm you know I'm really pleased you liked it a lot because it, it, it is an unusual film um, and it also has you know it, it it's it's funny and it's bizarre, but it also has these themes in it. You know, you know, films to me, what I love about being in different films of different styles is they're like paintings, you know. Some are obvious. You read them and you look at them, and you go, oh, "You know what that's about?" Like this film, uh, the the last bus I've just done about an old man on his on his at the end of his life, taking his journey of the past. That's like a painting, like a Victorian painting of, that you saw. And this is much more like a an expressionist painting like a, a bizarre mixture of things that are little signs in it that you have to work out. Some obvious sides, and some not. You know, and Spencer, the the movie that I'm in, which is this classic tale of a, you know, like a bizarre fable about Princess Diana. They're all like, it's like being in, you know, that's what they're called, moving pictures. Yeah. Some films are, you know, obvious. Some are mysterious. And that's what's great about it, to be in such diverse work. And, you know, this, this the Grand Duke of Corsica as a, a real, you know, um, a real originality to it, and and, um, and I'm glad I've got the opportunity to say that that side of it, could, you know, the pandemic side, of which could seem like uh, you know a let's it, in, it's not. It's actually a prediction. I mean, yeah,
0: that's that's spun me out even more. I think I'm going to have to rewatch it now with that in mind because that's uh, yeah, terrific. Um, wow, I mean, t- Timothy, wow, you've been such brilliant company. Thank you very much for your time today. I've I've really really but- enjoyed it.
1: Pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I'm about to start my engine and get on with my um, with my, uh, my river trip.
0: <laughs> S- sounds like a wonderful afternoon. Brilliant. Um, Timothy, enjoy yourself. Thank you so much for the chat. And I-, I sincerely hope we get to talk again in the future.
1: Yeah, nice to talk to you, Andy. All the very best. Brilliant. Take care. The Andy J Podcast.